there's a little bit of like this world wasn't really designed for me anyways so i'm certainly not going to try to fit in <laughs> to some like crazy little box that's like very small so i'm just like well what's the yeah. worst that could happen i don't know <laughs> Lead by Example with Bob Myers is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesars Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome to Lead by Example. I'm your host, Bob Myers. Today, Megan Rapino joins us, which is awesome. Um, we don't know each other, but I think we know some of the same people. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. So, so I don't, I mean, I feel like a lot of people think they know you. I might be one of them, um, and maybe maybe your public is your private. I don't know, but but I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, starting out as a as a young Megan, we talked about you're from Reading, which is which is kind of interesting. Oh. I'm not I'm not from too far away from there, but as a as a young woman, young girl, did you when you thought about your life and you thought about what it might be, was were you a big dreamer? Was it kind of like, I'm going to do these things? Or were you destined to say, well, nobody gets out of Reading and that's, that, that stuff's not for me? No, I was a big dreamer for sure. Oh. Um, I was just so into sports. I grew up like 90s Bulls fan, mm. um, 90s Cowboys fan too. So I think I'm, a li I'm probably a little bit of the bandwagon. I'm, yeah, that feels that. Like that. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, my dad is from Chicago, like loosely. Okay, my right. mom's from Texas, loosely. Um, but I feel like I grew up like idolizing that. I mean, obviously, if you're, you know, watching Michael Jordan and the Bulls, yeah. you know, Dennis Rodman, all yeah. of that in the, in the 90s. Uh, it's It was just so entertaining. And like, I think I was enthralled with that, probably yeah. mostly. Just yeah. like, this is like different than any other you know, sports scene that I've ever seen. Uh, and I just love playing sports. I don't really think I, you know, I didn't know I was from a small town. I just, you know, kind of where you're from. But I was always kind of like, wow, that would be amazing. I never remember wanting to be anything other than exactly what I am or, you know, Michael Jordan, which wasn't going to happen, but <laughs> something, something like that. <laughs> did you, was that just you or did people, were your parents... Who encouraged that? Or are you just kind of indefatigable? Was it like, nobody's stopping me. I'm, I'm doing this. I think a little bit of both. Um, I think from such a young age, I'm a twin as well. I think from such a young age, my sister and I both were just like, we were good at sports. We were the, yep. we're the youngest of six in our family. So we kind of had some older siblings um, to beat up, beat up on us a little bit. But we were just like good from a young age. And so I think my parents had more of like a hands-off approach, really, even when we got more serious about it and started traveling and in high school and all of that. They were kind of like, you guys tell us. Like, we, you obviously have the talent and, you know, we would love for you to do this and like get your college paid for and do that. Um, that was kind of their goal. But I don't think they really had to motivate us at all i think we just like from such a young age loved competing and loved sports we played one-on-one -on -one, literally everything and obviously being a twin uh we were able to do that and kind of have that sort of like built-in buddy all the time but yeah it was just something that felt i think so natural to both of us but especially me i think it's interesting in our lives where you look back at these things that happened to you 
maybe bad, maybe good, where you look back at a young age and go, I learned something pretty big from that experience. And, and many, many times it's not a good thing. Was there anything that happened in the formative years where you look back and says, when this happened, um, it kind of moved me in a direction, or I learned this about myself, or I figured this out about life? I think a little bit different to most elite athletes. I feel like I learned in the opposite. I think most time everybody's like amazing and the best at everything until they get around the competition and they're like, oh, other people are good too. And you know, the world doesn't just revolve around me. But I think because I was a twin uh, and I was a little bit of a late bloomer, just kind of like physically and like in my confidence, I actually kind of had a moment in, in high school, maybe it was like junior year or so, where I was like, oh, I, like, I'm actually this good. Like, I, my sister was, like, always better than me. Um, she was always faster than me and always, like, better on the field, kind of until, like, midway through high school. And even, like, playing on, you know, elite club teams or whatever it was, I think I had to come to that realization, like, oh, I'm that player. Like, I'm that good. I want to have these kinds of dreams and kind of, like, believing in myself that way. I feel like that came a little bit later. I knew that I was good, but I think being from such a small town, we didn't really have a lot of comparison. There wasn't really any comps. Um, we didn't even play soccer in our hometown, like barely at all. So I think it wasn't until like midway through high school, I was like, oh, I'm actually, I think I, I'm one of the best players. This yeah. is a little bit, this is a little bit strange, but okay. Yeah, that's, that's, I think nowadays, I don't know, you're around young women and men athletes. I feel like they get told that way before it's true, where you kind of, it's rare that an athlete figures it out for themselves without all these senior adult figures getting way ahead of where it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think being from a, a smaller place as well, like um, our club team wasn't amazing. I was never on the best club team. We were kind of like a ragtag bunch. So I spent most of my high school years like getting the absolute snot kicked out of us all the time, you know, but it would be like, you know, we would lose like six to four and I would have three goals or, you know, our team kind of like gradually sort of got better and we didn't have all of that pressure. I mean, I think now with like Instagram and everybody's clipping everything and putting highlights together. And I mean, obviously you see it a lot, yeah. just with the business that surrounds, uh, you know, the NBA players or mm. these elite athletes. It's like everybody kind of wants not only a little piece, and sometimes it's not even that nefarious, but people want to be the one that believes in this player or started mm -hmm. with them when they were younger, and you kind of lose sight of the main thing. I mean, ultimately, like, you need to have fun. You need to enjoy. You need that space to grow and to fail and to be challenged as a young athlete, and I think, yeah, there's a there's definitely a lot of, like, you're amazing. You're going to be the best thing ever at, at an age where you can't tell. Yeah. There's very yeah. few athletes, like maybe LeBron James, you yeah. know, he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. you're going to yeah. be, you're him, yeah. you know, yeah. from yeah. your fault team and like, yeah. we're him. Yeah. But, you know, I think for most of us, it's like, we'll see, we'll see when you, you know, hit your growth spurt or you hit puberty. We'll when you get into college, we'll see how injury wise you stay. We'll see how you sort of develop and how your game and everything develops into that sort of elite professional level. It takes a little bit of time. And I think, yeah, like you said, a lot of people get a lot of that pressure really early on. And then it just becomes about not not being the best ever. And you don't really get to grow and you don't really get to develop. 
What was your, I think you've talked about your mom a little bit more than your dad, and maybe you have, and I just missed the stuff on your dad, but when they started realizing how good you were, I mean, I go, I don't know if you go to these 10-year-old soccer games or basketball, or you see these parents that are literally screaming that their kid's not getting enough shots or not enough time, and um, it's pretty common, you know? And, and I wonder, different time, different era, maybe Reading, were your parents, um, what, what was their role in the whole thing? And even, even beyond when you were in 11th grade, how did they, because what, you had the twin sister, you have other siblings. Um, how did, what was their place in this whole thing for your journey? They were just like our support system through and through. I think they realized from an early age with us, like they can probably go to college and get their college paid for. And that was like the main goal, like get your education paid for. So I feel like they sacrificed so much um, financially and time-wise. I mean, playing any of these club sports now, um, and even back then, it's like you're in the car on you know either Friday night or early Saturday morning. It's all weekend. You're driving all over. You're flying all over. So I feel like for them, they were they were chill on the sideline. They were not vocal like that. They weren't like in anybody's face. They let us do our thing and it almost like put the responsibility on us. We're not going to do this for you. We're not going to motivate you. You tell us if you want us to do this, we'll do it. But if you guys aren't into this, like we're not wasting all this time and money if we're going to have to drag you through it. So I feel like for me, that was actually better because it always left, you know, the ball in my court. Like, do I even want to do this? Is this something that I'm into? And then they were there to support and give up, you know, every weekend and, you know, basically every, every dime that they had to, to make this happen and be that support system for us in all the ways that we needed. And they kind of let us and let me fail and struggle and figure it out myself on the field. Like they couldn't do that for me and nobody can do that. Like nobody can do that for you. You have to figure that out in your game and how you want to progress and, uh, you know, your sort of trajectory and development. So they just kind of gave everything up to be like, you guys can get your college paid for and you can go to school and get your education. And then like whatever happens from there is yeah, kind of ice. So multiple choice test. Okay. You, you, you just lost a, a big game, which you didn't, you don't lose much. So but Not many, but I have a few. You have had some. So, so picture, you know, you're riding home, which I imagine at the age you lost, I don't know if it was young, old, or the, the tough losses, and your mom and dad are in the car and you're in the back seat. Is it A, you're saying, I can't believe you lost to those guys or those girls, whatever, you know, that, that team. And your mom or dad going, well, Megan, you got to play, you got to work a little harder if you want to do that. Or, or are they saying, you know, on that, on that you, you should have used your left foot on that play. I mean, you got you to focus. Or are they saying, hey, you know, we got a big weekend next weekend. We're going to a camping trip. I mean, what was their kind of engagement? Because I think that's interesting. You said it was your thing, right? It was yours. And when did they push it back to you? Because a lot of kids will be like vent to their parents. It's a safe place to go. And oh, some parents elevate that and kind of take it to a place that's a little unhealthy. It feels like yours were a little bit, hey, if this is what you want to do, you go do it. Was it really that clean? Because that's kind of unusual. It was pretty clean. I, I would say the only thing that was unacceptable from them ever was if we didn't like, if we were not working hard. 
And if we weren't like giving our all, there, there's a few like funny times. My mom would look back, you know, in the van. We had like, of course, we had like yeah. a minivan. She'd be like, are you guys feeling okay? Like, are you sick? What's going on? Because I didn't, you know, I didn't, what's happening here? I didn't really see the effort that I needed to see, you know? But it was more like they were just honest with us, you know? Yeah. I think at times it was like that other team was better. And yeah. it was like, they're better. Like you, you, you yeah. guys played well and you played really hard and that's, you know, important, but there was no sugarcoating going yeah. on. It was kind of like, it is what it is. And it was definitely never, I mean, I think just even outside of soccer, uh, my parents were never allowed us to really do the blame thing. Yeah. I yeah. think even, even in school and stuff, we, I think being really good at sports and being, that kind of led to being more popular. They were kind of like, no, you have a responsibility to like uplift other people. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be the best players on the team, you can't be, you know, basically bitching about other players, yeah. like yeah. do something about it or talk sure. to that player or help them. So I, I feel like that was a, I didn't really realize that it was happening at the time. Um, but I think they were always just like low key, but like honest yeah. with us in a way that didn't allow that, you know, that weird ego, that kid ego of like, oh, I'm going to let my head get all big because yeah. I'm good at like sure. kids club soccer. Like that's, they were like, nah, this isn't that, this isn't yeah. that important. Like you're going to be a good person and, you know, do all the right things. What, um, it's funny you mentioned the, the simple, honest part. My daughter was, I have a, three daughters, but uh, my middle daughter lost a basketball game. And the other team was one of those really good club kind of, and my daughter said, um, Dad, what are they? What do you think they're doing that we're not? And I said, probably practicing. Yeah. <laughs> probably. It's, it's like, it's but the honesty part, where I feel like it's not okay anymore when you lose, to say uh, what happened. They're a lot better than we are because it's almost like, what are you going to do with that, right? And so, as you've led and mostly won, when you've had adversity. Um, on a team, whether it's college or pro or international games, is that what you is that what you throw back at the team it, when there's when there's you use the word bitching? I I live in that world too here. Uh -huh. Are you able to vocalize that? Because I don't play. I mean, you, you have a lot of power because you're really good and you've won, and so you check all these boxes of leadership. Do you throw that back on teammates and say, "Stop doing that. That's not getting us anywhere." Because I still think in the moment. That's not an easy thing for people to hear a lot of times. No, it's really not. It's not satisfying at all. That's, right. that's yeah. first, even for yeah. myself. I'm like, yeah. oh, the other team's just better and we lost yeah. this important game. That sucks. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, I try to do that. I feel like, I mean, yeah, sometimes the refs are terrible yeah. and they yeah. really blow calls or yeah. the yeah. other team is not, you know, I feel like not playing the game the right way sure. or the way I would play it mm -hmm. or we had a bad game or whatever, but ultimately yeah. like, we can't really control any of that. Um, I think being in sports so long and playing in so many different types of championship scenarios, you know, this, like you can only control what you can control. And the more you focus on that, the better chance you have because something is always going to go wrong. Like some call is going to get blown. Some fans are going to say this. Some players not going to play well. Even like within your team, less about like you didn't play well and you need to play better and, and more like 
we need to play better. And let's just be honest about our performance. Like, did we actually deserve to win? No. And if we didn't, let's let's talk about it. And sometimes you actually do deserve to win and you just don't. And that's sports too. Like sports are beautiful and cruel all at the same time, you know? And sometimes you really deserve to win and you don't. And sometimes you get lucky and you don't deserve to win and you win too. So it's not an easy thing to swallow. And sometimes it's hard to even say that or hear that in the moment. And I think it is important to let some of that frustration out and vent because sometimes it is, you know, frustrating. But yeah, I think in the end, it, it I always try to bring it back to what can we actually do about it? Sure. And let's try to do let's try to do that because we're kind of wasting time if we're spending mm-hmm. too much time on something else. So you personally, you, you know, you first World Cup and then the year after you came out about your sexuality. Was that how hard or not was that? And if you could go back, two questions. I don't know. I imagine it wasn't easy. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it was liberating. And if one, what did that feel like in the moment? And if you could do it all again, what would you do differently? You know, it's interesting. It it became. It kind of became because I came out in college. Okay. I feel like I was like out in my life. You right, know, not sure. publicly, but right. it was also like a weird time with the team where the team wasn't obviously as popular as we are now or even as popular Mm -hmm. as we were after the world cup in 2011 so it was kind of a simultaneous like our stock was rising so then there's more eyes and more questions it didn't even feel like like if i came out before the world cup it'd be like coming out to who you know we we didn't even have that much coverage (laughs) and people would be like what um so it was kind of one of those things where it just felt it started to feel awkward that i wasn't out because i was out in my normal life and it just was like, this is weird. Why am I not, you know, saying this? Um, were you, were you, were you actually asked and did, did you hide it, so to speak, or you just didn't announce it? Yeah, I didn't. No one really asked, but I feel like, I mean, listen, you can look however you want. Just because you have short hair doesn't mean you're gay. But like, I looked pretty gay. So I was like having short hair and having a vibe. It was like clear that I was gay, but then I wasn't saying it. And it's not really appropriate for anyone yeah. in the media to like ask. Of course, they're not ass so then i felt like it was on me and then i was kind of like well this just feels a little weird it was that that i'm not not weird but like it felt like this is the right time and it was kind of you know 2008 and 9 in california i think it was prop 8 was happening and so it was much more like in the general conversation of society Mm -hmm. and then kind of leading up to the olympics our team had you know had a a great world cup which we lost in the final which is still woof should have, that was one where we like should have won, but we didn't just got to throw it up to the gods. But, um, you know, the stock of the team is rising. We're going into London 2012 and it just kind of felt like the right time. I didn't really struggle with it personally, but I knew that it was going to be one of those things like that was going to be important. I really wanted to do it and it was important to me to do it. But I also was like, this is important that people come out. I think especially people like me, my family was accepting like my friends are accepting. I didn't really struggle with it. And so many people do. And I feel like it's important to have people like me come out who are like, you know what? It's, it's okay. And it's joyful. And it's like a beautiful experience. It doesn't have to be all about struggle all the time. Right. And so you said nobody asked you, obviously, because it's, you said they might've known or it looked that way. But then when you said officially to the public, 
did you have the thought of now I'm making my private life public? Now, now I'm, it's, I'm making this choice where now they might ask me. Now I'm going to be looked at in a way where I'm opening myself up to, to that world. And it's not just about your sexual, it's about caring more than that. Was that a thought? Or are you just kind of like, look, I don't want to, I'm just going to tell everybody and I don't care what happens after that. Yeah, I thought about it a little bit. Um, but again, like at that time, we were just, our profile was so much lower. Uh, so like, it was a big thing, but not like it, you know, not maybe like it would be now if someone came out now, um, just cause our profile is so much higher, but I did know it was going to be a thing. And I think I was okay with that. I was like, I want to be public about this. Like, I think it's, you know, it's, it's also just like who I am. I feel like I'm a very open book. You sort of said earlier, I think people feel like they know me and I, I think in a, in a large way they do obviously i mean certainly parts of my life that are private but i feel like i am a pretty open book and so that felt like a natural kind of next progression and i think i knew a little bit like subconsciously like i can handle this and like i want this like i to be you know someone who can talk about it because it's so hard for so many people and there's so few athletes especially at that time you know, going into the Olympics, there were so many, so few athletes that were out. I was kind of like, this could be like a good, a good thing for people and a good thing for me. So when you were younger, it's interesting. Even the initial, like, this is me, and it's not maybe like everybody else. That was, that was also natural. It, it seems like either you are unbelievable at recovering from like, personal like pain like we all go through life with some kind of hurt yeah and you've i don't it feels like either that you take that in and process it in a healthy way and keep moving or you just have this um stamina or ability to kind of i don't think in an unhealthy way take it but what what happened how do you do that because how do you be 12 years old as a girl or 13 and be like hey this is the deal this is what i am and we'll keep it moving was it was it that simple no, I think it took, I mean, I didn't come out until really like college. So I think I was a little like confused about, I didn't, I didn't really have the conscious thought like, oh, I'm gay and now I'm hiding right, okay. when I was right, younger. Okay. But then when I like figured it out in college, then looking back, I was like, oh my gosh, like, of course I'm gay. <laughs> come on. I'm like, no, like nobody told me like, come on, fam. Like somebody's got to give me the word, you know? Um, but yeah, it didn't feel, and it's weird. It's like, you know, being from Reading, it's obviously a very conservative town. My family was like, you know, relatively conservative, but I actually didn't feel like in practice we really were. Like we were open and accepting and it was always like, don't judge anyone. And you never know what anybody, you know, grew up like. I mean, I think, you know, from just like hearing stories about my mom, she grew up really poor and like people made fun of her because her clothes were ripped going to school or something but it's just like she's poor like she can't do anything about this just like hearing that perspective so we kind of like i feel like had this like oddly progressive household while being like very you know just sort of conservative in this weird way but it just i think kind of once i figured it out i was like oh well this makes sense now a lot makes sense now and that uh i think that was kind of the vibe and like i said my family was you know, supportive. I mean, it took a little bit of time for people who's right. just, you know, parents have, you know, an idea yeah. of how they want their kids to, sure. to be and they didn't want it to be any harder for me 
or anything like that. But I think I didn't really struggle with that too much. I mean, I, I think a lot of my confidence is natural. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know exactly where that comes from. I've always been that kind of gregarious, you know, performer mm-hmm. type. As I've started doing more therapy, though, I'm like, I think I am dissociating a little. Well, see that? That I know. I, I'm not. I, I, I know. Yeah, yeah I definitely am. <laughs> I can't picture you suffering. You know, like it's I'm, a hard. I bet a lot of people look at you and think you're supposed to be the toughest and and strongest mentally, maybe physically too. Um, and it's funny when people get put in that position publicly. Sometimes I wonder what they deal with privately, where they go, I'm. Everybody thinks I'm this. I can't be. Mm-hmm. I can't really be in pain. Like I, it's hard for me. I don't even know you to think about you struggling with what you project. Does that make sense? Like who yeah. you? But I know that can't be true. That can't. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely suffer. I definitely yeah. suffer. Um, yeah, I, it. I don't know exactly how I, you know, got to be the way that I am. Um, but I. It, there is a lot of suffering. I, I think it's it's hard to be human sometimes. And it's hard to, especially in sports where, yeah, you have this, You A, you have to perform. So no matter what's happening in your life, like, you got to play. I mean, you guys, you play 80 games, play 50-some games a year, 40 games a year. Like, you got to show up to practice every day. So I think there's a part of it that's a little bit of a learned compartmentalization that, frankly isn't always healthy but it's like adaptive for sports it's not always adaptive for life but we learn how to do it and you learn how to compartmentalize and just you know have to perform and you have to put things to the side you have to you know be physically mentally and emotionally available to be an elite athlete which i think it takes all three to be to be great and to be a great teammate and to uh, be really great at your craft, but that does come at a at a price. Like it is difficult going through, you know, going through. I went through when I knelt with Colin. Like people were saying crazy stuff, yeah. uh, or different injuries that I've had, or even just like aging as an athlete and mm-hmm. under you know trying to like wrap my head around that. Or per you know, God forbid, you have like a personal thing that happens in your life. People don't <laughs> think about that, you know. With not allowed. Yeah, we're just like people on TV that do sports yeah, and yeah. score goals and make baskets yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Um, but there definitely is like, and I think as I've gotten older, I started to do a lot more therapy this last year. Mm-hmm. It's like starting to understand kind of how how I am the way that I am. I think I am really good at dissociating, but sometimes right. it's I have to. Like I can't take on especially talking about a lot of things that we talk about, whether it's racial justice or some of the more like intense social justice kind of things. Like you can't take that on personally all the time. You're speaking from such a platform that's so much bigger than you individually. I mean, Mm -hmm. even with social media, like it's weird that, you know, millions of people have theoretical like access to like, I don't know people, they don't. Um, So like understanding that more, and I think my family, honestly, really, and my like friends and people around me, I have an amazing agent, a woman just mm-hmm. that worked with me, and my partner, Sue, I have a twin mm-hmm. sister, my family, like, they have yeah. always just kept me very humble. Like, honestly, yeah. sometimes it's annoying. I'm like, let me shine. Like, let me <laughs> get like, floaty for a second. I <laughs> but I think they've always, like, yeah. just always looked at me just like me. 
yeah. you know? And That's it's good. like, because you are kind of two people. It's like, I'm yeah. not Pino, but I'm also, you know, I'm just me. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, as I've gotten older, just trying to find the balance and trying to like tap into a little bit more of that. I think sometimes you're younger, you're just kind mm-hmm. of doing your thing. But I think the like the family part and the people that I've had around me, I've been really lucky from such a young age to have just really grounded, solid like normal people around me who like love what I do and yeah. think it's amazing and it's so cool, but it's also yeah. like that's not the thing that they love most about yeah. me. They love sure. me for who I am, and I think that's really important for, I mean, people just in general, but certainly for athletes because you get this weird sort of like adoration, this like societal yeah. adoration that it's hard to keep your feet on the ground. Yeah. The kneeling thing's interesting. I um, tell you a brief my experience, small experience, not anywhere near what you did. And um, I was in San Quentin and there was a Nurse. kind of a forum with, with the inmates and a couple um, civic leaders. And uh, uh, Robbie Gold was in there from the 49ers football team and Eric Reed, who was a friend of Colin, or is a friend of Collins. And Eric Reed kind of took up the cause. Um, I think he was kneeling with Colin as well. And he was speaking about um, why he was doing it and what it was supposed to represent. And I think I asked him, why is everybody making it about uh, something else? Like you're disrespecting the flag or a military. And he looked at me and he said, we need white people to help us. He goes, we, get, we don't get to shape a narrative. We're, there's only a small percentage of black people in the country. Like, mm-hmm. why doesn't white people come and say, like, what's going on? And I was, it was, really, I was like, of course. I mean, why? But it was an interesting moment where, obviously, you, um, and I think you've said this before, present a very different person that might somebody might say would kneel, right? And and did you know? Did was that a very easy decision for you, where you thought, I'm absolutely doing this. This is 100% right. I don't regret it then. I don't regret it now. Um, and and I have great conviction about this. Or was there any hesitation? Like I need to understand this. How did you come to that place? Yeah, it was very easy. Um, I it, I thought it made perfect sense the second that I heard Colin speak. I feel like I can still remember the, you know, the the Sports Center clip, him in front of his locker. I feel like what he said then is as applicable now as it will be in you know ten twenty years. And it just like it just hit in this what way. What did he say? What did he? Can you remember what he said? Basically, he was just saying that uh, you know police brutality in the U.S. is not like a debate. It's it's happening. Yeah. And we had just gone through, I mean, this was, you know, what, September 2016. We had gone through, fir- I mean, we got through yeah. Rayvon Martin, right. um, very, you know, obviously high-profile public. Uh, we'd gone through Ferguson with the murder of Michael Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd gone through um, shooting a police officer. I think it was at Dallas or Louisiana. So there was, like, a lot of high-profile shootings uh the WNBA had protested in mm-hmm. 2016 during the summer of the links um and they actually had law enforcement walk out on their game to like protest mm-hmm. the fact that they were protesting so it was like it was mm-hmm. kind of like in the public sort of air mm-hmm. and i just remember Khan speaking about it so clearly like this is just a systemic problem that we have that like open up 
your eyes, everyone. It's not, um, and it's it's not like a is this happening or is this not? I mean, just look at the history of our country. Basically, right. yeah. we're founded on slavery, and yeah. uh, you know, just to, just the brutality that has persisted all of that time. And I think immediately, I kind of just like innately drew this con- like this comparison to like me coming out as gay. Like I had been in a position that I had asked people who were gay to understand what I was saying. I, I don't need you to be gay to understand yeah. Yeah. what I'm asking of you. I'm asking you to stand with me. I don't need you to, I don't yeah. even need you to walk in my shoes. I just need you to believe me. Yeah. And then we can have that. So I feel like that that just was very clear to me almost instantaneously of like, oh, that's what Colin's asking for. Colin's yeah. asking for people to believe him and to believe black people at large and to stand with them and like don't worry about what everybody's gonna say like you either to me it was like you either believe colin or you need to be prepared to call colin and black people a liar Mm -hmm. that this isn't happening because this is their shared experience across the country across you know the world really and so for me i was kind of like that's the only marching order that I needed to pay attention to or the only group that I needed to make sure I was doing right by because they were asking for allyship, basically. So it was kind of like, that was very clear. And I think having the very clear mechanism of kneeling in protests, I mean, we'd seen, you know, the fists up at the Olympics and we've seen other forms and it was like, that was the genius of it is like, you have a very clear and anthem gets played at every game and every you know, sport all across. It's something you can do. You don't need a flag. You don't need anything. You don't need anything on your body. You're not wearing a shirt. You can just kneel, and what you're doing is signaling, like, I'm with you, and I hear you, and I believe you, and I will, I will put my skin in the game. I think, to your point, what Eric said, like, black people can say all they want. Yeah, we, we want to be treated better. We think racism is happening, but like, unless we do it as white people, we're, we're the ones perpetrating this and we're the ones in yeah. power. We're the ones that have that sort of privilege. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, to me, it was like one of the best things I feel like I've ever yeah. done. It taught me so much. Uh, I think it opened my eyes immediately. I definitely think I was naive to a lot of sure. when I thought the back, you know, I didn't think it was the backlash was going to be exactly what it was. I didn't think it was going to be great, but I was also like, wow, this is this is pretty pretty crazy but also like the fact that it was so crazy i was like oh we're we're on thing like we're on the right track here the people are big mad and when white people get big mad it's usually because they don't want to talk about the thing that (laughs) that they don't want to talk about so that kind of like immediately i was like okay that that makes a lot of sense and and i think for me too it was one of those things like i was very privileged like i'm you know by all you know in intense purposes i'm a rich white privileged athlete right, right. so i am protected and yeah. i'm not going to be subjected to the kind of treatment that everyday people are going to be subjected subjected to i just have so much more privilege and security and protection right. than that so i felt like it was something that i think so many other white athletes should have yeah. done and just didn't and really missed an opportunity which is sad more lead by example after this 
Spoiler alert, you're not going to win every bet you place. But with Caesars Sportsbook, win or lose, every bet gives you reward credits and tier credits, which you can exchange for the best perks in the game. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. Download the Caesars Sportsbook app and start earning with Caesars Rewards. If you have a gambling problem in Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed to Horseshoe, Bossier, City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. And we're back. What are you most proud of? Megan, what's your number one? It doesn't have to be anything you want. And the, oof. Um, I mean, I've, I feel like I've been a part of this movement, you know, especially on this team, but it goes beyond that of like really changing the world for better. Whether it's, you know, standing with Colin or kneeling with Colin or equal pay or coming out as gay. I feel like I'm I'm most proud that I've used my platform to do something beyond mm-hmm. just playing the game. And that is very important to me as well. I mean winning yeah. winning makes everything better, as you know, Bob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah, the but, but it, it feels like you, you haven't well, a lot of people win. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people not maybe not as much as you, but there are people that win a lot. And in these moments where they don't also kneel or sue an institution or promote women's or a whole gender's rights. And those opportunities, it's interesting. And you said it was for you, the kneeling was kind of like, I'm doing this. Was it the same to, to fight for gender equality for you? It, it feels to me like you see these moments and you go, you think, of course. But that would diminish how hard these things are. I mean. It's easy to say, I'm going to kneel, but then you get exposed to hate or many people. I don't know what happened in your fight for the gender equity. Like, what did you hear about that? I'm sure it wasn't all in your support. Yeah. But you, you choose to kind of stand up and say, hey, I'm doing what's right. And you want to come down my road? I'll deal with it. That, that's not an easy thing to do. No, it's really not. Um, it has been really hard, but it almost it almost feels like there's not really a a choice like yeah. I, I think i think sports is very important and i'm serious about my sports and all of that and i think it's a it's a an amazing vehicle but like we just get one life and yeah. like what's the point of life i mean for me i'm not a religious person at all so i just i'm like we get one life to do whatever it is that you want to do with it and mm-hmm. it's like for me, if I'm not living my full self, I mean, I think it comes from my own desire and like need to be myself and to be an individual and to have the space for that. Like to not give everybody else that or not fight for that for everybody else just seems like insane to me. I'm kind of like you have, I feel like that's what I've kind of done is like leveraged all the power that I have from how successful I've been in sports and that our team's been in sports to do 
you know, the opposite of that work, which is like making it better and continuing to push forward. And like, I just would feel like, yeah, I can like be rich and famous and be an athlete, do all these things. But I'm like, if you're not giving back and you're not making the world a better place, like what's the point? I'm like, you're going to be 90 and just be like, I messed everything up. Like I was selfish and I didn't, yeah, like, yeah. I didn't, that's like been, I think the most beautiful gift too. It's been really difficult. It's difficult to go into a world cup and sue your federation. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's difficult to do all of these things and to stand up and have to, you know, at times be tired and go do media and like mm -hmm. all that it takes. But it's also given so much back, like tenfold yeah. back yeah. that, you know, you see people on the street and you've like changed their lives or you've changed the course of their life or, you know, you made them feel more comfortable or, you know, you made it feel like they wanted to stay in the world even. Mm -hmm. You know, we hear that a lot, yeah. so many different people. So it's just, I think as much as you give, you get so much back. And what I feel like is the, the point of life, which is like, living it to the fullest what what makes you so or do you even recognize what makes why do you think you're so unafraid in your life because i think that's pretty rare i do think i dissociate from bad feelings <laughs> so I, I, I love your therapy i love the last year of therapy this is fantastic <laughs> i'm like i have been thinking back a lot like i'm like am i just because even sometimes like yeah, I probably shouldn't say this like in public, but I'm like, sometimes I gape film. I'm like, I don't want to watch it. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah, sure I did some bad yeah, things. And I'm just going to like yeah, freak them out. Yeah. Um, I think there's a little bit of that. Um, I think I almost like, I almost feel like I'm two people at times. Like, I know I'm just like my personal self, but then there is like this public mm -hmm. persona that's like a character almost in this game so i feel like i can not take everything on so heavy while still like mm -hmm. i understand the the weight that i can throw or the impact mm -hmm. that i can have and i just think like i would want someone to do that for me if i if i didn't have a voice and i think we are so privileged as athletes and so privileged to be in the business that we're in to being you know playing in these like arenas and to be doing something that we love and like i just feel like we have the ability to like really change people's lives and change them for the better and to have people see something in us or change them in some sort of way and i i really believe that we should all be doing whatever it is that we can to like make the world a better place in whatever way that is. Like for some people that they're school teachers, for some people they, you know, volunteer and knock on doors to get people signed up to vote. Some people work in a hospital, like some people are athletes and then we can use that sort of cachet that we have to do something good. But I think too, I'm just, there's a little bit of like, this world wasn't really designed for me anyways. So I'm certainly not going to try to fit in. <laughs> to some like crazy little box that's like very small so i'm just like well what's the yeah. worst that could happen i don't know like, i think i would like I, yeah i think well, i know, like, I lack mean, some analysis yeah. sometimes yeah. i lack some deep analysis at times where i'm like what's the worst that can happen but you're, 
You're literally skipping over the part of I feeling see. like this world isn't for you, and that's no problem. It's not a big deal. I know. I I'm like, this I don't feel like you belong in this world, but that's great. I don't I care. Um, well, here I am, but this is crazy. I know. It is yeah, hard. I mean, at times yeah. it's hard, but I, I do feel like, especially coming out in college, I think something just clicked for me that was just like, okay, like, I get it. This is, this is the game. Like, I'm not going to try to make you happy and, you know, whatever the thing is, the institution, whatever it is, happy because it's like you're never really going to be able to do that. You're not, you're not ever going to like be able to like get in unless you are, it was kind of like designed for you. So I was just like, eh, right. whatever, I'm just going to do something different. So the dissociation theme is interesting yeah. because <laughs> you are obviously famous and, and, and became famous um, maybe late. I don't know what the right age to become famous is, but you were probably mid twenties or late twenties when it, or maybe early, whenever it kind of became when you woke up and were like, wow, I got a million followers or two million. Yeah. What do you, um, how do you live in that? How do you live in, and you said there's kind of two of you in a way. Um, I almost think when people are that into social media, I, I, I'm not, and it's not, I mean, anything's bad. I just couldn't. I don't know how you function, not you personally, but one functions with feeling a little bit like everybody's got a little tiny bit of ownership in your life, a little speckle, uh -huh. and then to, to, to kind of realize, I can't take any of that in. I can't take the good, but, but then you probably have had so many people support you and then 5% mean, 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 uh -huh. and you go, well, I, how do I leave that, take this, that's a good comment, that's totally out of control, yeah. that person I respect, that person I don't. How do you, I'm, I'm being honest, I couldn't do it. I think it's a great strength, but it's for famous people. I'm not, yeah. you're here, but I'm around famous people and I always ask them, um, how do you live in that? How do you properly like live your life in the healthiest way? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's like never a good age to be famous because famous is weird. But if you are going to, I think as late as possible right. in life is better. Um, let your brain develop as much as possible. Um, and obviously that's such a, an issue with kids these days. They're getting social media so young and it's eating everybody alive. Um, I, I think such a big part of how I deal with social media and how I, I do it well, I think, is like I didn't have it growing up. And I didn't really have it until it wasn't really a thing until like six, seven, maybe. And so it was just this like, this is weird. Like this really make any sense um and i think just you know especially after kneeling it was like okay social media you can get whatever you're looking for if you want to be told you're amazing going after a game i'm amazing i'm the best player there's ever been i'm the go i'm terrible i hate america and i'm the worst player ever and it's kind of like it's fake like no one in real life is like that i've had like one person since kneeling come up to me and be like i think that that was really wrong what you did it, he did it in a really respectful way i was actually like getting an mri in a hospital uh and yeah it was like in the elevator and he's like i've just gotta say like i don't think you're yeah. representing America really well yeah i was like okay that's totally fine but like yeah. one person in all yeah. this yeah. time and it so it's just yeah i think you need to be really honest and this is why i tell you know just teammates or whoever like you need to be really honest with yourself about what you can take on and what you can handle um, and it's not like 
if you can handle more than you're better or if you can handle less than you're worse, that's not it. People have different personalities and they input information in a different way. And just like not to take it too seriously. I think there's good things about it. It's obviously business-wise, it's good and, you know, exposure. And, you know, we've seen it work amazing for Black Lives Matter movements and different social movements around. But it's like a, it's like a fake world that can have real life consequences. I think we need to be really careful about how much stock you put in the fake world part. Cause it's just, it's just not really that real. It's interesting that you, I like what you said about if you get that, whether it's fame or notoriety or publicity older, you kind of know where, what it is and what it isn't. But if you're 15 or 12 or if, the, the version of you now when you were 12 and you're ranked number one in the country Rinclair. and everybody knows who you are and you're, you're Instagramming your goals, your three goals. Uh-huh. I don't know how that doesn't, um, I don't know how you leave that. It, it's almost like embedded in your being. It and you talked about, you know, this idea of highlighting you, like yourself. I, I don't hear you talk much about you as much as you talk about your teams. Okay. And I think that gets lost a little bit too. Like even you, even when we were talking earlier, you were talking about our team, our team. You know, you like even if I scored, you, it was never like I did this. I did, it was really interesting to hear you even talk about it. But I think that gets lost too when we're rewarded for like, what did you do? Like I don't care what your team yeah. did. What did you do? And, and you fight that probably now at the international level and in your own team. You know, Rapino won the game, and you're like, well. I didn't really win the game. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's other players, you know, or you lost the game. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I don't know I was a tennis player or golfer. I, I thought I was in a team sport. Yeah. It doesn't seem you, you think that way. No, I really don't. Um, I think it goes back to the way that I grew up. I grew up as a twin, and I yeah. was never really, you know, even the best in my own house. And um, I think, you know, even just from a young age on the on the women's national team, playing, like, basically on an all-star team all the time, like, everybody's the best, Everybody is amazing. And, you know, one of my, I think it was Christine Lilly. She was, you know, obviously like legend of the program and her like kind of like very end of her career was right when I was just starting. And she kind of gave me this advice of just like, don't compare yourself to anyone else because no one can be you. But in Mm -hmm. turn, like you can't be anyone else either. Yeah. Well, you need to bring what you bring to the field obviously but everyone else has that thing too that is special about them that's world class about them Uh, Mm -hmm. and i really like believe that like i i want my own space and i want to you know have my own creativity and have freedom and independence and i want that for everyone else i know how that is important to me and i feel like that's the special sauce when you when everybody brings that and everybody understands how good the other players on their team are. Like now you can do something yeah. special. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I am such a big fan of the Warriors. I, I just like love, have loved watching you guys play over all these years and just all the different characters. And you have such interesting people and you change the game and how everyone plays. Like the whole NBA is different, you know? And if Steph wants to take every single shot, yeah, he could do that. And yeah. and he could, yeah. you know, probably not have any championships. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want to do that. And yeah. if Draymond doesn't want to, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. not do it and, and be the passive yeah. than he is, yeah. if he's yeah. a pin puller and if 
I yeah. mean, Cully's going to shoot every shot. Obviously. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's yeah, no, that's his, that's 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 his special thing. No, it's funny. Like, yeah, right. He's, like, he's elite. This thing's, yeah. this thing's going up. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it's really cool to see yeah. when, like, because it's not just like a a blind selflessness. I don't believe in that either. No, no. Lose no. yourself. You have nothing. Yeah. No, no. It's like bringing your ultimate confidence with the understanding that like everybody else needs that space to do that as well. And then what can we put together that nobody can do on their own? I really think that that's the special thing about sports and championship teams. More lead by example after this. And we're back. It's fascinating that you mentioned kind of your view of art, the warriors, and it's, there's a great Maya Angela quote, they'll forget what you did, forget what you said, but they, she won't forget how you make people feel. And it's almost like, I hear about people talk about our team and um, it's what we make people feel, but it's like yeah. a good movie where maybe it's how you feel about your experience on the women's international teams where it's all of it, right? Like, and there's a lead actor, it's, uh, there's always well, sure. a lead actor. Sure. But, but then you look back at a movie um, one of our owners produced um, A Few Good Men, and Tom Cruise is the star. And he told me the story of how he had to convince Jack Nicholson to be in it. And Jack Nicholson in the movie, I think he's in it for like 12 minutes. Oh, that's so bad. But you know what he does, like, the movie doesn't, without, he like, but it was 12 minutes of um, an hour and a half. Yeah. And so the point is, it's almost like, for me, and what I do, I don't play, that's the fun part for me, is try to put it together. But you don't really ever know. Um, but when you get it, you got to hang on to it. Like you're international, you could, you could, you're going to tell the story of those teams, and they're going to remember you, and they're going to remember the elite players. But mostly, they're going to remember watching that team play, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's pretty amazing to kind of leave that mark, um, because you're going to remember where you were. I'm sure you get people tell you, yeah. "I remember when yeah. you guys celebrated." Yeah, exactly. And that's pretty fun, right? It's yeah, cool. like I fell over in my lazy boy, or I was in a bar in Boston, or I was in New York yeah. City, and I was yeah. with my friend. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah. People always like remember who they were with and and where yeah. or what they felt. Yeah, that's cool. So so last two questions. One, um, if you were your best friend, your your Megan's best friend, and you're 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 living, <clears throat> this is the person you call, and I know you have your twin sister. But you know yourself probably better than anybody you're close to. What would you tell yourself now? Like, what would you be telling yourself now that you know, but maybe you're not doing or you're like, I, I got to do more of this or what would you encourage yourself or tell you not to do or what? I think I would tell myself to slow down. I think I I have that tendency, um, you know, energetic and, uh, like to you know be putting my hands in a lot of things but i think i would you know especially as i get older and getting towards the later end of my career i would say like slow down and not just like sit back and enjoy but just kind of like slow yeah. down a little bit it goes yeah. so quick like i can't believe i'm you know 37 and yeah uh you know going into you know hopefully it'll be my fourth world cup like that's crazy that went yeah. so quick so to yeah. just really like enjoy those moments when they come, I've always been big on that. Is just celebrate the moments when they come because you can't yeah. think them. You can't go back. Yeah. To, can't get that feeling back. Mm-hmm. Can't get the people back or the vibe. Mm-hmm. So and it and it always changes in one way or another. So just to kind of slow down and enjoy That's it. A good one. I had that as my New Year's resolution a few years ago. Slow down. <laughs> and I remember like 
what happened? Like literally, I was tying my shoes and I was like, this, just, just slow down. You know, it wasn't even like, don't do that appearance. Don't go to yeah. that game. It was literally like when I moved to get in my car, like just slow down. Like don't yeah. get all your, yeah. But I, I'm not, I would, my, I would say that to me too. Um, wow. But it is important, right? And I'm older than you, but it yeah. actually probably gets more important. Well, um, not that it's not important now. Yeah, um, something I'm sure you feel this as well. It's like it, what it's what makes you great. It's what yeah. it's that energy and that yeah. engine that you have is what makes you great. But learning, I'm trying. There's a cost, now. right? Yeah, there's, there's a, cost. a cost, and it's yeah. your cost. So, last one. When you're older, old, whatever you think it ends, ninety, a hundred, a hundred and over hundred, and you're listening to somebody. Um, say something about you, or you get to look, you don't, you know, you're, you say you're not religious or what, whatever. If you get to see what they say about you when you're no longer here, or that. what do you hope it is? Oh, gosh. Um, I hope that they say that I like, I like really genuinely cared and I like really enjoyed life at the same time yeah like i cared about people i cared about the things that uh that i did and there was like a, a real yeah like yeah a real energy for like making things better but also you only get one life so you better enjoy it you better do everything that you possibly can i think the reason people like you or one of them is um it feels like this is this is you. Like, you don't want to like it, don't like But yeah. one of my favorite players, that sounds like you watch a lot of sports, and, and not, not a perfect guy, but none of us are, was Allen Iverson. Oh, because so he was kind of like, this is me. This is me. And I think we like that as people. We're like, I, we're, yeah. And I think you're like that. I think that's, it's been really cool to talk to you. So I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.